All right, thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you for being with us. And write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program as we head into what is uh, next weekend, Memorial Day weekend. I'm sure people are looking for a couple extra days off, which will be fun. Let me just say before we get to this whole debt ceiling issue, um, first of all, the Treasury budget numbers showing Biden's using scare tactics, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, I know Tim Scott has entered the race later on in the program. I'll have uh, Larry Elder on the program. Uh, it's rumored heavily that Ron DeSantis will make an announcement later this week or or at least set up an exploratory committee. And so, Linda, here we are back in 2015 and 16, if you recall. And, you know, the peop some people were mad that we gave everybody airtime on both radio and TV, and I suspect that's probably going to be the result again. And I'm, I'm trying to understand, if you're confident in your candidate, why do you care if the other candidates get an opportunity to express their views? What's the big deal? I think people just like to be upset about something, so they find the new thing to be upset about, and that's what they're upset about on any given day. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're running for president for the Republican nomination, absolutely we're going to give you airtime. And when it came down to the end, we were being accused of, of taking Trump's side. And I remember we did a side-by-side -side analysis of how much time we gave, you know, Trump and, and some of the other candidates. And it was like almost dead even, wasn't it? Yeah. In fact, the person that got the most time was Senator Cruz, which was very, very funny because we had a lot of Cruz supporters that were yeah, They were going angry. mad at me at the time. Yeah. Very angry. I think Ben Shapiro and Glenn Beck are still railing against me like they were back in the day, which, by the way, I don't they're entitled to their opinion. I don't care if people, you know, agree with me or disagree with me. Um, I love Senator Ted Cruz. I'm going to see him tomorrow. He's going to be, by the way, if you want to see Cruz in studio, he's going to be on our audience show tomorrow night. Uh, just go to Hannity.com and tickets are free. Also, Judge Janine will be in studio. we got a great studio lineup on Tuesday. Um, anyway, tickets free, Hannity.com. So the big issue here, and, and let me start by backtracking on this, is going to be in 11 days, Janet Yellen is saying that it is a drop-dead date for the debt ceiling and that the United States of America, the full faith and credit of the U.S., is hanging in the balance. And for the first time in America's history, we, we will risk being a defaulting nation. Uh, and they've been saying that. They're setting the stage for saying that if we don't do this by June 1st, um, this is going to happen. Now, if you follow the math, what they're saying and Fox business did a really good piece on this, the math, it's, it's just not true. And yet the Biden administration is all in. He comes flying back from the G seven, cut short his, his trip abroad, uh, just to deal with the crisis that Joe Biden himself created. I'm going to give you a timeline that, that should be pretty jarring to you. The Biden administration has gone all in on the, you know, the idea of default as a scare tactic, you know, to bully conservatives into caving on an issue. Now, when you look at the timeline, you realize, oh, this is not the Republican Party's fault. This is Joe Biden's fault. This is a crisis created by Joe Biden. Joe Biden made a bet. His bet was that Republicans would never unite in the House and come up with a bill that would deal with the debt ceiling. And they did. And it's actually a very responsible bill. So we go back to 2022 spending levels. It's only 2023. Now, we're not talking about a massive cut here. And then we would also uh, have, we would limit baseline budgeting increases moving forward annually to 1%. 
Uh, got, the Republicans are going after the 87,000 IRS agents. The Republicans also want more drilling, which is good for the economy. But if you go back to January, you know, it was Biden and, and Corinne Jean-Pierre, quote, Corinne, we are not doing any negotiation over the debt ceiling. Uh, Janet Yellen announces extraordinary measures as the U.S. debt reaches the statutory limit. She was saying that in January. Biden called the debt limit a big debate, which his staff had to walk back. Speaker McCarthy calls on President Biden to begin debt limit negotiations on January 20th. He did it again on the 22nd. Uh, McCarthy called for a meeting on the 26th of January. McCarthy called on Biden to, you know, on the 31st. On February 1st, Biden has a meeting with Speaker McCarthy. And McCarthy, uh, Speaker McCarthy told Biden that, no, we're going to have no tax increases and there's got to be restraints on spending. Okay, February 6th, McCarthy delivers an address on the debt ceiling for negotiations with the president. Schumer promises a, a clean debt ceiling. In other words, he's not going to negotiate. You know, so then February 15th, McCarthy is asking Biden to begin the negotiations. February 28th, Biden said, I will not negotiate whether America pays its debt. I will now not allow this nation to default. And then it went through March. McCarthy again calling through March on Biden to begin debt limit negotiations. Then McCarthy in April delivers an address warning Biden, you know, could bumble it into default uh, if he fails to negotiate. Remember, McCarthy's got a very limited, you know, margin of victory in the House. And Biden was betting the whole time that he would not get a majority of Republicans to agree. Well, he did. And they raised the debt ceiling, but they score out $4.8 trillion in saving, according to the Congressional Budget Office. April 19th, Biden calls House Republicans wacko notions. And McCarthy calls on Biden again to negotiate April 19th. Corinne Jean-Pierre calls on McCarthy to put a bill on the floor. White, then she says uh, on the same day that it doesn't make sense to claw back unspent COVID funds. Why doesn't that make sense? We didn't spend it. Bring it back in and save money. We have $31 trillion in debt. The next day, she says, House Republicans, would, their plan would melt bones, whatever the hell that means. Again, April 24th, Biden is asked by McCarthy, let's negotiate. April 26th, Republicans passed their Limit, Save, Grow Act to raise the debt limit, go back to 2022 spending levels. It saves the American taxpayer $4.8 trillion over 10 years. That's responsible. That He did his job. He's still calling on Biden to negotiate. Still, they won't do it. You have 43 U.S. senators now, 44, if you include Senator Kennedy, although he didn't sign the, the pledge. Uh, but all through May, you know, Biden is calling McCarthy. You know, McCarthy is, is saying that McCarthy refuses to negotiate. McCarthy's saying, I'll meet with you any place, anytime, anywhere. Anyway, May 9th, McCarthy calls on Biden to begin negotiations. Green Jean-Pierre, May 12th, we're not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling. May 16th, after 104 days, Biden agrees to appoint negotiators. Okay, after they finally met, Biden was missing in action for 97 straight days. Now, if it's really locked in, which I don't believe, I think that's a talking point, because Treasury issues debt, which is, you know, notes and bonds and promises to repay borrowings with interest. If the Treasury fails to do so, like missing a payment on a mortgage, that is default. The Treasury has the ability to prioritize payments. 
And its own data released on Wednesday show of last week show that it has enough revenue coming in to service the debt, avoid a default in the event the debt ceiling is not raised. So cumulative rate, uh, revenue for the current fiscal year, $2.687 trillion, while net interest on the debt comes to $364 billion. So it's you know shocking the Treasury is paying so much service to the debt. The fact is revenue is over seven times what's needed to avoid default. So it's all a bunch of a crock of nonsense. But they're acting as though this, this is the drop dead date. Okay, if they want to make it that way, make it that way. Here's their problem. Their problem is Joe Biden bet wrong. Joe Biden bet Republicans wouldn't get a deal done. They got the deal done. And they have another problem that they've got to deal with. And that is 24% is the only percentage of Americans that think this Biden economy is any good. It's not good at all, according to the AP. 33% of Americans say they approve of the handling of the economy. Only 24% say national economic conditions are in good shape. That's not a good place to start, to start negotiating if you're, you know, if you're Joe Biden. Republicans did their job. If there's going to be a default, it will be Biden's default. It's not going to be the Republicans' default. Now, the challenge for McCarthy is, all right, if they want to negotiate, and if the Republicans are willing to give a little here, a little there, whatever, um, I wouldn't give much, if anything, myself. Why bother? Most Americans, according to the AP, they're screaming they want a debt ceiling raised with deficit conditions. That's what the Republicans did. Now the, the talks broke down over the weekend. Republicans walked out of the White House, criticizing it as unreasonable. You know, all the Democrats keep saying is this is a MAGA budget, a MAGA budget, a MAGA budget. All right, so uh, now let's say they do make a deal, then McCarthy's got a problem. He has a margin of four in the House. So any deal that he wants to make with Biden, even if he's willing to give here, there, or on a few issues, is going to be that much more difficult. And if McCarthy's not careful, you know, and he doesn't get 180, 190 Republicans to agree, you know, he probably is at risk of, of triggering you know, a no confidence vote on his speakership. So I don't I don't think he's going to put that at risk. That's my take on it. But anyway, they're not getting along. And then Biden even, you know, is saying, well, I'm, I'm not to blame if this happens. He said it to Peter Ducey. Listen. President, on the deadline, if you said already, I've done, I've done my part. Do you think that there's a brief? Nobody's blaming you. Of course, no one will blame me. I know you won't. You'll be saying Biden did a wonderful job. I, I, I know you. On the merits, based on what I've offered, I would be blameless. On the politics of it, no one will be blameless. And by the way, that's one of the that's one of the things that some are are contemplating. I actually had. Well, I got to be careful here. I think there are some MAGA Republicans in the House who know the damage that it would do to the economy. And because I am president and presidents are responsible for everything, Biden would take the blame. And that's the one way to make sure Biden's not reelected. Okay. That's that, that is him saying that I'm not responsible at all. You were at MIA for 97 long days. This is the guy, Joe Biden, we played this for you before in 2011 that said he can't be my way or the highway on the issue of the debt ceiling. You know, De Corinne Jean-Pierre repeatedly saying the debt ceiling should be raised without conditions. We're not negotiating. Joe Biden 
Paul's debt negotiations, a big debate. Then he got to walk that back. You know, we have all of this. And then fear-mongering the, the McCarthy debt proposal. Tell me what's unreasonable about going back to 2022 spending levels. What's unreasonable about that? What is unreasonable about capping the rate of growth of government to 1% a year, meaning increasing every program, not decreasing anything? Tell me the danger of becoming more energy independent, which is part of the equation here. Tell me the downside with, what, $31 trillion in debt for, for the House Republican bill to save a whopping $4.8 trillion over 10 years. Tell me the downside in that. You know, so it's the people that are now behind the eight ball here. That would be the Democratic Party, led by Joe Biden, who decided that Republicans could never get this deal done. He waited 97 days. Now, now they're now they're trying to hit the panic button and scare the crap out of the American people. For Republicans, I would not be scared. I wouldn't be scared at all. I'd be like, we gave you a debt ceiling increase. If you don't want it, then you will be the one responsible for the default. Because there's not going to be enough Republican senators that would allow a Democratic bill that's going to allow this to go to conference at this last hour. And if they did, they'd be pretty stupid to do that. All right, listen, um, I want to tell you about our friends at Pure Talk. They give you the same exact cell towers, same 5G network as the big carriers, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. Average family saves close to $1,000 a year for the same coverage. Many families save more. And a lot of these big carriers, they think they're doing you a favor. Hey, we're going to give you a free phone. All right, I love a free phone. Uh, but then you look at the small print. What about the hefty activation fee that they put in there or the four-line requirement that they put in there? All right, so our friends at Pure Talk, they are going to give you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone, uh, and you're not getting duped. All you have to do is sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, unlimited data plan with mobile hotspot, and it's only 50 bucks a month, and you get your 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. You can't beat that deal. It's a fraction of what the big carriers would offer you. Anyway, make the switch to my wireless company, a veteran-owned company. Uh, that's Pure Talk. The switch is simple, easy, takes a few minutes, dial pound 250, say the keyword save now. Do it now. You get your free Samsung Galaxy phone when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and data. Pound 250, keyword save now. Make the switch, save money for the exact same service.